0: I bring you greetings from Jacksonville, Florida, and from Highland Freedom Baptist Church here in Jacksonville, Florida. I'm thankful for you and our many, many decades, Bishop, uh, the blessing that you and Lady Harris have been to me throughout the years. It's just I can't even speak about it, but I'm so glad that I've had this opportunity with you. So with that said, let's go to Acts chapter seven, uh, chapter 27. And uh, it's the story of the Apostle Paul on his last journey to Rome where he's going to be put to death and uh, he has been a missionary. He's been a great uh, advocate for the Lord. Jesus Christ He has given his entire life for the Lord. And now he's on his way to Rome. And uh, little did he know that it would be his last uh, opportunity to preach, but he's loaded up on a ship and they're headed out in that direction. In uh, Acts chapter 27. And I'm just going to pluck out a few scriptures, but I'll be dealing with the whole story as we go along in Acts chapter 27 while well, on that ship the bible says but we but not long after a tempestuous headwind arose called euroclidium and that's a fancy word for hurricane type weather or a nor'easter and uh, we know how devastating those can be right down here in florida as we've experienced quite a few hurricanes and we've had quite a few nor'easters they're dangerous and in verse 15, so when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Cuda, we secured the skiff with difficulty. And when they had taken it on board and used cables to undergird the ship, fearing lest they should run aground uh, to the Searchers, the struck sail, and so we were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest tossed the next day, they lightened the ship. So they did what most sailors would do. They would attempt to try to secure the ship. And when they couldn't, then the next step was to go ahead and begin to unload and to begin to uh, get rid of the excess weight. And so on the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard and with our own hands. And when we couldn't see the sun for many days and no small tempest continued to beat, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. They knew this was a storm beyond all storms. And so if you skip down to verse 38, it says they had eaten enough. They then light the ship and threw out all the food and the wheat into the sea. And then verse 44 and the rest, some, and now the ship had sunk by this time and the Bible says, and the rest some on boards and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped to safety into the land So I want to speak to you today about the God who is the God of what remains in your life after the storm. You see, I've I've got three points that I'd like to share with you immediately in order to pique your interest. And that is not only is God the God of all that you have, everything that you possess, everything that you've got, everything that you've received. Never forget that it is God that has given that to you that God is the God of everything that you have. And incidentally, when you walk in obedience and you learn to manage the things that God gives you, he increases and gives you more. But second of all, I want you to know that not only is he the God of all that you have, and we should praise him for what we have, but he's also the God of everything that you've lost. And don't forget that because some of you have lost quite a bit. Some of you have lost some things very dear to your life. Some of you, they're real precious to you. But they're not lost to God because God is the God of all that you have lost. And third of all, I want you to know that God is the God of what remains in your life. Even when you seem to have lost it all, even when you feel like everything is gone, never forget that God is the God of what's left in your life. Amen. And uh, that through it all, some of you have been through a lot of loss. I know they're in Richmond. I know some of your stories and right here in Jacksonville, the things that some of our members have gone through, but I know that God is the God of it all. He's, he's the God of what we've had, God of what we have lost. And amen. He's the God of what remains in our life. Amen. He was the God of that beautiful ship. He was the God of the ones that threw everything overboard. And he was the God of the broken pieces. So the first thing I want to share with you, and I've got to tell you the truth right out of the scripture. That is, that storms like this will come in your life. In verse 14, and it was not long after a temptuous headwind arose called your Euclidean. Notice that it was a storm that came in their life physically, and there's storms that come in your life. If I ask you today, raise your hand if you've been through a storm. Every one of us in here has been through a storm, everybody's been through some type of difficulty. And I would love to stand up here as your pastor and say, you know what? God's going to always give you success. God's always going to prosper you. God's always going to bless you. Everything's always going to be wonderful, but I would be lying to you because I know the scripture says in John 16 and 33, Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble, not may have trouble, not when you have trouble, but you will have trouble. But he always finishes it up with a word of blessing because he's the God of what's left. And he said, I have overcome the world. Take heart. Don't be overwhelmed by what happens to you because God is in control. Amen. And second of all, never forget that we are in a battle. Amen. Between God and Satan. John 10 and 10, Jesus said the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. And that God came to give us life and to give it to us in our fullness. Satan would love nothing more than to destroy your life. Would love nothing more than to take everything that you've got. And he does at times, but let me tell you, and the good news is that God is still on the throne. And even though we lose it all, God still has something left in your life, amen, that he's going to use, praise the Lord. And then third of all, these storms come because why? God's taken us to a new level in Hebrews 10 and nine. Then he said, I came to do thy will. He takes away the first in order that he might establish the second. That's what he's saying is that he can't take you to a new level. Until, first of all, he removes the first level. And that's the hardest part of it all. Some of us have been praying, God, I want to go higher with you. I want to go deeper with you. I want to be blessed by you. But understand, in order for God to get you to that next level, he's got to take you through the storm. Praise the Lord. But in the midst of the storm, the scripture says, yea, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. Praise the Lord. Secondly, interesting that God put them on that ship. Sometimes God places us in situations that lead us into the storm. Now I know uh, some of this is rocking our theology and rocking our Bible understanding that God would lead us into something like that. He put Paul on that ship, didn't he? Because he put Paul on that ship knowing that that storm was coming. And sometimes God puts us in a place where we are going into a storm. But if he leads us there Remember, he will never leave us there. God will always be with us no matter where it is that we go. Praise the Lord. Listen to what the psalmist said in 104.3. He lays the beams of the upper chambers in the waters. He makes the clouds, his chariots, and he walks on the wings of the wind. Praise the Lord. That is God walks on the storm the storm that you might be in right now the one that might be coming in your life remember guess who's already walking on that storm god's already there praise the lord nahum one and three the lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and here in florida you know we stand on that a lot because we get a lot of whirlwinds we get a lot of hurricanes but notice what he says god is in the midst of that storm and one of brett's favorite scriptures out of psalms 23 Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Praise the Lord. God doesn't lead us somewhere that he doesn't leave us completely alone, but he's always with us. He's always there. And that's why sometimes we have to go through these storms. Now, there's a myth I want to deal with here God, people have said this before God will not put more on me. Than I can bear. You ever heard that? But I'm gonna debunk that myth because they're myth taken. They've made a mistake because there's times when things come your way that you can't bear. Some of you have been there. Paul in 2 Corinthians 1 and 8 says that we were so burdened, so excessively burdened beyond our strength that we despaired even of life. What he was saying was, I don't think I can handle what's I'm, what I'm going through now. Paul went through a lot, but Paul was having to face something that was more painful than he had ever been in. And what I'm trying to do is show you that sometimes storms come in our life and these storms come because God allows them into our life. And that sometimes these storms feel like they never are going to end in our life. But I want to encourage you that God is still the God of anything that is left behind after that storm takes it all away, praise the Lord, and in your life. Listen, 2 Corinthians 12 and 7. Unless Paul says this, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation, a thorn in my flesh was given unto me, a messenger of Satan to beat me, lest I would be exalted above measure. Have you ever, ever read that scripture and wondered what was Paul talking about? What was Paul speaking about? When he said that there was a messenger of Satan sent by God into his life to put a thorn in his flesh. And Paul noticed. And if anybody ever prayed, Paul prayed. And when Paul prayed, guess what? Miracles happened. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He touched the multitudes. He healed diseases through the name of God. And he prayed three times. And the Bible says God never answered him at all. Instead, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. Now I'm talking about storms and why they come in our life. And Paul had this storm in his life. Why was it there? Because God said, I want you to learn to depend on me. You see, the victory isn't in the trial. The victory isn't in the storm. The victory is when we learn to trust God, learn to have faith in him, learn to go deeper in our relationship with the Lord and know that he's got a purpose for your life. And that purpose will never be defeated by the devil. Praise the Lord. He will always come through. He will always bless your life. Amen. Keep in mind, it's not the tribe, but it's our faith in the midst of the tribe. You ever seen the little caterpillars when they go up the tree and then they build a cocoon and they lay inside that cocoon. And then the time comes when it's time to come out of that cocoon. It's a very violent process. On the inside of that cocoon, if you can imagine being all tightened up like this and you've got to chew your way out. That caterpillar doesn't say, oh, I can't deal with this. What he does is he already sees the vision that when I chew through this cocoon, I'm going to get a set of wings and I'm going to fly like an eagle. And he becomes that caterpillar. That caterpillar becomes that butterfly. But he had to go through the transformation process. And so it is with God in our life with these storms like these this natural storm here or the spiritual storm that we have. Know that God is doing some transformation in our life. I don't know what it is, and sometimes I want to say, hurry up, Lord, get me out of this mess. But God knows where we are, praise the Lord. God knows, and He is developing us and transforming us through the fire to become everything that God wants us to be. All right, storms also, I don't even need to say this, but I think you'll know it says storms can and will wreck your life you're like really i know that and it, it destroys your dreams your hopes in verse 18 and 19 notice that they were exceedingly tempest they uh, tossed and the next day they lightened the ship that means everything that they had on that ship the souvenirs that they had the packs the backpacks with their clothing the food All the special things that they had brought with them to remind them of their family. The Bible says right here that they had to get rid of it in order to lighten the ship. And I know that had to be tragic to them to have those things that were so precious to them to be tossed aside. But didn't I tell you God is the God of what we have? God is the God of that ship. And I also told you that God is God of what we've lost, the things that they threw overboard, and that God is the God of that which is remaining. I want you to know that God was watching them and God was keeping his hand upon them. And sometimes you and I have to get rid of things. And sometimes storms come into your life. Hear me well, to get something out of your life that you can't seem to get rid of yourself. Sometimes things come that you would literally hang on to, even though it is toxic in your life. You would hold on to it and keep it. But God brings a storm in your life sometimes so that you will unload things. Even though it is painful, you know you got to get rid of it in order for you to move on to the next level. And see, so there's things that slow us down, things that weigh us down. Sometimes we have to give things back that we have under times of uh, prosperity, sometimes downsizing. And just like the sailors, we've got to toss things trying to save ourselves and watching those things that we worked so hard for, going overboard like Job, who watched it all get stripped away in his life and there was nothing left. Lost his home, lost his kids, lost his income, lost his cattle, lost his wife, lost his wealth, his friends and his health. There was no reason for him to lose any of that because God was a uh, saw him as a righteous man. But you know what? Sometimes you gotta go through that storm for God to get rid of things out of your life so that you have this stronger relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what I'm talking about. Your life was going really good. Everything was rocking right along. You were telling your friends, I'm so happy. Then all of a sudden the storm came and things changed. And you wondered, what in the world have I done? What have I done? You ever said that? What have I done? I mean, I go to church, I bless the Lord. I tithe, I, I do the best that I can. I'm not perfect but I do everything that I can. Why is this storm coming in my life? Well, look at the life of Job for a minute. Job was the wealthiest man on earth in his day. I just read the other day that Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, is the first trillionaire, first trillionaire in our, in the world. I can't even imagine being a billionaire. Much more being a trillion. I mean, I would like to a trillionaire. Can you wrap your head around all the zeros? And he, and Job was in his position in his day, that Job was the wealthiest man on planet earth. He was a righteous man. The Bible says, and he was a holy man. Satan went to God and accused him of serving God only because God had blessed him. And God said, that's not true. He serves me because he loves me. And Satan said, that's not true. Take away the things that you've given him. Send a storm in his life and watch he'll curse you. So God, who had a hedge of protection. How many of you know you've got a hedge of protection around you? Satan can't go past that. But sometimes God lets it down. And God said, I'm going to remove the hedge of protection, level one. And you can take everything that he's got, but you cannot touch his life. He brings up a second level, doesn't he? And so Satan took off at that point, storms came in his life, his children were lost, um, his, his kids uh, were killed by a storm, his cattle, his home, everything that he had. He lost everything almost within a 24 hour period of time and he couldn't understand it. But you know what Job said? naked came that i came into this world and naked am i going to go out of this world blessed be the name of the lord you know what because he wasn't concerned about the trial or the storm he was more concerned about his relationship with god and he knew god was up to something and god was going to protect his life so satan comes again and god says to him well what do you think now and he said oh yeah you 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 got you won that case but i tell you what if you touch his life He'll curse you. So God took the hedge of protection down and said, you can take his health, but you can't take his life. And, you know, that's what I love about God when it comes to storms. He's always going to leave something for you. Now, I don't know what you've been through and I don't know what you might have to go through. and I don't know what you might be experiencing in your life there in Richmond, Virginia. But I will tell you this. That sometimes when God begins to strip away things, don't ever fret because God is going to leave something in your life, something that is going to remain, something that you're going to be able to rebuild from. Just like when the storm hit Louisiana the other day, I was watching the devastating and the devastation in that area. And there were houses that were completely missing. But guess what? There was still a foundation and there was still some plumbing on the ground, something that was left behind that they could rebuild on. And so God is the same way God will never ever he is the God who is the God of what's left in your life What remains in your life and he's going to build from that point Never think that you're finished when you're living for the almighty God Amen. And the third never forget that God is the God of what remains When the storm shatters at all In verse 41 and 44 It says but striking the place where the two seas met they ran the ship aground and they were stuck fast and remained immovable. But when the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves and the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them swim away and escape. But the centurion said, was told by Paul, keep them from their purpose and commanded that they would swim to land. And then I read to you earlier than the rest, some of them came on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. So see, he's not only the God of everything you have, and he's not only the God of what you've lost, but he's also the God of what remains. And this is the word of the Lord that he gave to me to encourage you today that what you've got left in your life is enough for God to bring you back in power, amen? All that was left of this ship, was broken pieces of the ship. I think I told you the story one time about a man that was visiting a little kindergarten class, like a daycare, and a little girl was over in the corner just getting it on the crayons and coloring this picture. And he walked over and he said, that's really beautiful. And she said, thank you. He said, but your crayons are broken. And he said, she said to him, yeah, but they still color. And what a point that is. Our lives might be broken, but we still have the ability to add color in life, that we still have the strength to get up and do something powerful for God. You see, many people have lost what seems to be everything because of a storm in their life, but something always remains. Amen. And many people are focusing and I'm praying that you're not one of these folks that focuses on everything that you've lost and focusing on what you used to have because it's a useless fight. It's gone. God has it already in his hand. What you need to look at is everything that God has left in your life. What you still got, get up and start doing something for the Lord. What's left of your broken dreams, what's left of your broken relationship, what's left of your devastating loss, that prolonged illness that has left your body weak. Maybe you feel like you wasted your years. Let me tell you, it's not over until God says it's over. He still is the God of what is left in your life. I've had people tell me that, that they got saved late in life and said, well, I've wasted my life. I know you're wasting it right now. What you need to do is forget about those years back there and start living your life right now. You see that storm here appeared to take everything, everything. It seemed that everything else was gone, but guess what? God still had some broken pieces of that ship of which they clanged to, to get to safety. Who would have ever thought that a broken piece of ship was worth anything, but it was worth everything when they were in that sea and about to sink and drown and they were able to grab a hold of what was left and it took them to the shore to safety. And I'll tell you, uh, you might think you don't know that you've lost everything and what you've got left is worthless. But let me tell you, God is the God of everything that remains in your life, even the broken pieces of your life. And he will take those to take you to a higher level than you've ever been before. So quit focusing on what you have lost and focus on what you have. You see, God always never takes anything from you that he doesn't leave something behind. God never takes you through something that he doesn't provide for you in the midst of all of that. I'm going to give you a few illustrations from the Bible of how this is true. Noah, God was upset with the way the population was, sinful, wicked. It was on the face of the earth, he said. Their imagination was evil all the time. And God said, I'm going to destroy man. But you know what he did? He said, wait a minute, i got to leave a remnant. I'm going to put eight people on an ark. And I'm going to start over with that. Why? Because God is the God of what's left. God can take a little and turn it into a lot. What we look at as a loss, what we look at as insufficient, what we look at as inadequate. God sees it and says, just give me what you've got left and I will raise it up and use it for my glory. How about Gideon? Remember the story there? Gideon was facing the army of the Midianites. The Midianites had 350,000 soldiers. Gideon had 32,000. He was already in trouble, but he was willing to fight. And so when he brought his army together, he looked up to God and said, what do you think? And God said, you've got too many. What? You've got too many. And so he said, i tell you what, you announce to those people, tell them that anybody that's afraid and wants to go home, and go home. So I'm sure many, uh, Gideon thought I'll make that announcement and probably 30, 40 will go home. What was it? 22,000 went home. Can you imagine? He's got 32,000 men in front of him. He's already outnumbered and he makes this announcement and 22,000 soldiers leave. And now he's looking at 10,000 soldiers and he's already scratching his head. The odds were really against me before. Now it's really bad. <laughs> And God says to him, you still have too much. Wow. Wow. And so he says to get in, he says, take him down to the the pond and let him get a drink of water. And any man that laps the water like a dog, tell him to go home. But the ones that put their hands down and cup their hands, that's the ones you want. Why? Because when you're lapping like a dog, you can't see the enemy. You ever watched your dog drink water and how their eyes are always looking up while they're drinking or eating? And so God was saying that these soldiers that drink like that, they're not they're not capable. So I want them to go home. And how many of them do you think drank like the dogs do? Nine thousand seven hundred. And he sent them home. And what was left was three hundred men. And I love what Judges seven and seven says, well, Gideon is in his heart in despair, wondering how I've lost it all. I've lost my army. I've lost the hope. I've lost the dream. I've lost this battle. While he's thinking that, God says in Judges 7 and 7, by what remains, I will deliver the Midianites into your hands. Wow. (laughs) By what's left, I will give you the victory. And I want you to know that's the same way God is with our life. Sometimes it feels like everything is being stripped out of our life. Everything that we hoped for and planned and dreamed and and believed for is being stripped away. And we wonder, God, are you still there? And God says, by what's left in your life, what remains in your life, I will bring you victory like you've never had before. Samson, great judge in Israel. Talk about a Marvel comic superhero. This man killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey by himself. Now, I would fear somebody like that. Somebody that had that kind of strength and power. And the Bible says that it was in his hair. That God told early on in his life, told his parents, don't cut his hair because that's where his strength's going to be. And I think I told you one time uh, in the 70s, you know, when we were growing up, we wanted our hair long. And this one kid went to his dad and said, Dad, I'm growing my hair long. And he said, Why? you're not going to grow your hair long. He said, yes. He goes, it's in the Bible. Samson had long hair. And the dad said, that's right. He said, wait a minute. So did Jesus. And he walked everywhere he went. (laughs) But his strength was in his hair. Strength was in his hair. And through a series of events in his life, the storm came He got his hair cut, lost his strength. His eyes got gouged out. He was put in a little prison and he was going around and around grinding like a slave. He had gone from the pinnacle of height and power and God using him down to what seemed to be the lowest place it could go. But there was something left. And what was left was his ability to grow his hair back. And while he was in that prison, his hair was steadily growing back. And the, the, the Philistines hadn't noticed And so on that day when they were parading him to mock him inside of that big arena, God set him up into that place and he looked up to heaven with his hair long again. God looked upon him and said, I'm going to give it to you one more time. And he poured his spirit out on him and he crushed those pillars and killed more Philistines in the end of his life than he did in his entire life, why? Because he, God is the God of what remains. Quit focusing on the other things and focus on what God has left in your life for his glory. Moses was adopted into the Pharaoh's palace, 40 years a life of luxury. Can you imagine that grapes being fed to you and a life of luxury? prestige and power, wealth, but his storm comes. It always does. And he kills an Egyptian who was beating a Jewish slave. And as a result, he has to flee. Now he goes not only to the desert, but the Bible says he went to the backside of the desert. That's gotta be worse. So he's in the backside of the desert and he will spend 40 years in poverty and lack. 40 years first in wealth and power, Forty years now in lack, his storm had come. And at the end of that second 40 years, he's 80 years old. God begins to speak to him and says, I'm going to use you to deliver the children of Israel. I tell you, your time is coming. God is coming. God is going to speak to you. God is going to show you exactly why you've been through that storm and what it's all about. And so he says to Moses, you're going to be the deliverer. Moses says to him, why are you picking me? I don't have anything left. Isn't that how we do it? We get a, a call from God and we start talking about everything we've lost. We talk about everything that we've been through. But God said, I want you to look and start talking about what you have left. And I don't want to belabor the point, but I got to tell you about Elisha and the widow. You remember the widow's husband died. She lost the income, the creditors came, they wanted their money paid for those cards that she had, but she owed money, he owed money. And they came and said, if you don't pay us, we're going to take your children into slavery. They're going to spend their life in slavery until that debt is paid off. She's losing everything. And Elisha, the man of God, comes by and she cries out to him, man of God, help me. Can you call on God? And God looks at her and says, tell me what you have left in your home. You've told me about everything you lost. And so she says, all I have in my house is a cruise of oil. All I've got is just a little bit, just a little bit of oil. That's all I've got left. That's insignificant. That doesn't mean anything. And Elisha said, oh, you know, when in the hands of God, this is going to be a miracle. And he says, go get you a bunch of vessels. Go get you a bunch of pots. And when you started pouring out of this little jar into those vessels. And as she poured, it kept pouring and pouring and pouring. And pouring and filling and filling and filling. And she's screaming for more pots. But by that time, it was too late. There was not one left. And Elisha said to her, Go take them, sell that oil, pay off the creditors, go get you some food, get your mortgages paid up, get everything that you need taken care of, and live on the rest of it. Hallelujah. Why? Because God is the God of anything that remains in our lives. Sometimes we don't even realize that what we have is what God is going to use to bring us to the place of victory. And just like the woman of blood, she said, you know, with the issue of blood, she said, I've I've spent everything I've got, been to the finest doctors and I'm none the better. And she said, I don't have anything left. I've had to leave my house. I've had to leave everything because every bit of my money went to those doctors. And some of us can testify of how expensive that is when you go to see the doctor. And when you get that bill in the mail, you're wondering, is this for me? because it's expensive. And she had everything taken away from her. But she said one thing on the inside, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, if Jesus would just come by here, if Jesus would just walk this way, I could touch the hem of his garment and I would be made whole. What did she have left? All she had left was that name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, that name that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. She knew that that Jesus, if she could just get to him, that the miracle was going to happen. That's all she had left. And the Bible says she made her way through that crowd and touched the hem of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood was healed. She was made whole. Why? Because all she had left, she gave it to God and she acted in faith that she believed God for a miracle and God did. And so we come to the end of the story. Well, here they are in the ocean, in the sea, in a storm, in a tempest, in a hurricane-like weather in in the nor'easter. And they're about to die. And what comes floating by? A broken piece of the ship. And it's just enough to get them to where they need to be. I want you to know in your life, God hasn't forsaken you in that storm. You may have lost a whole lot of things but you still got something. There's still something a little bit left. Focus on that and let God submit it to God and let God be God in your life and let him bless you with that which remains. Let us pray. Father, thank you so very much for your word. And thank you that your people are the apple of your eye, that you are indeed our God of everything you've blessed us with. And we recognize that we don't own it, you do that we're just stewards of what you've given to us. And sometimes when we lose it all, we feel like we've lost it, but you're still the God of everything that is lost. But you always leave something, just a little bit of this or a little bit of that, to get us through to the next level of what you're doing in our life. And so I pray, oh God, for salvation for those that are lost, That oh, God, you would touch their hearts. Let them see the reality of Jesus Christ and the blood of the Lamb. Those that are saved, that you would bless them, oh, Lord, in the midst of their struggles. Those that have been through the fire and are still in it. I pray, oh, Lord, that they lift up their eyes to know that even though they're going through it, you're still with them in it. And you're about to bring them through in a powerful way with what's left in their life. And we give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus name. Amen.